Hello, everybody. Welcome to church. It's so great to see you. My name is Ashley Matthews. I'm the education pastor here on the West Side. It's good to be with you uh, today. Before we get into our time in the Bible, I just want to make a quick uh, update about communion. Chris mentioned last week that communion is coming. And in fact, communion is coming. This week, we are going to have pre-packaged, pre-blessed communion elements available for you to come by the church and pick up this week. From, on Mondays and Tuesdays from 12 to 1 p.m., the next several weeks, you'll be able to come by the church, every week actually, and our staff will be here to hand those um, packets to you, which will also include your own liturgy for you to be able to go through at home. Our hope is that you found a group of people with whom you can worship each week and that these um, elements of communion will provide an opportunity for you all to actually worship together, do communion together, and make it really meaningful. We hope we're not doing church forever this way. We're not doing church forever this way, but it's the way we're doing church together right now. And so we want to do this the best that we can. And this is such an important part of our life together. We're happy to be able to make it available to you. So this Monday and Tuesday, 12 to 1, and in the weeks following, you'll come by, grab those from us, and have communion together. All right, if you have Bibles, we're gonna be in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15. We'll read together and then we'll pray. Verse 21. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. And he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, God of heaven and earth, God with us in all places, wherever we are this morning, we bless you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of your presence. And we ask you now, Lord, to bless the reading of your word. Settle over our hearts, give us your peace. Help us to hear, Lord, what it is that you would say to us. All of us, Lord, needing to hear from you, be challenged and comforted by you. So we look to you now, Jesus, in your name we pray, amen, amen. So for the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking about these miracle stories of Jesus. A lot of the stories that we've been looking at, the feeding of the 5,000, uh, Peter walking on the water, and even, I think, in some ways, this, this story today, these are even miraculous stories. This time of Jesus' life was full of these kind of miraculous events, even though it hadn't always uh, been the case. Uh, Jesus lived a lot of his life in obscurity, and then there was this particular season when all these miracles started to happen. And it's important, though, to remember that it wasn't just miracles that were happening. Uh, right alongside the miracles and the glory and, you know, the angels singing and the healing and all that stuff that was so good, so powerful, there was also a lot of testing and a lot of struggle that was happening right alongside that at the same time. 
You know, there were Pharisees that were always sort of lurking uh, in the shadows, waiting to trip Jesus up. Long hours, lots of people to heal and, and deal with. Um, and you know, Satan and you know, demons, small things like that, that Jesus was dealing with uh, every single day. And somehow he managed to take all that testing and all that struggle, and in a way that will f- always um, impress and sort of capture my heart and my imagination, Jesus took all of that struggle and he turned it into peace and compassion and love. Uh, and it wasn't just Jesus that was enduring the struggle and this testing. The reality is, is that in addition to Jesus, the disciples were also experiencing struggle and testing. They went through it right alongside Jesus. It's working out their faith. In fact, all these stories that we've read, they're not just miracle stories. The story of the feeding of the 5,000, the story of Peter walking on water, and this story in particular this week, each of these stories is about a disciple of Jesus who comes up against a time of testing, a situation that stretches their faith or their understanding of God and pushes them forward to do something um, that's hard in the face of adversity. Now, none of us likes this notion or this idea of Uh, spiritual testing or testing at all. Um, I hate tests, most of us do. We don't like being tested by anyone. Maybe especially we don't like the idea of being tested by God. But there's just really no uh, getting away from it. If according to the Bible, God is our gentle shepherd, he is our good father, and he's also this refining fire who on occasion chooses to use discomfort in order to push us to grow. And not just to grow, but I think also to remind us of the power that we have access to, the capacity that we really have so that we don't settle for a faith that is less powerful, less meaningful, really than it should be, than it might be. You know, like, had it not been for um, those hungry crowds that the disciples so desperately wanted to get rid of so they could go home and go to bed. Had it not been for that crowd, that moment, the disciples would have never known what it felt like to watch bread multiply in their hands. Had it not been for the storm, Peter would have never known what it means to get out and walk on the water with Jesus. And had it not been for this moment, this really uncomfortable moment, that this woman had with Jesus, she would never know what it would be like to be lifted out of of obscurity and have Jesus praise her and her faith in front of her Jewish brothers and sisters to make an example of her for all of us. So there's something to this. There's something about spiritual testing um, that God just like won't let go of, that idea of being refined. According to 1 Peter 1, 7, uh, God, He he proves us, he tests the genuineness of our faith in order to strengthen it. Um, Not just to expose the weakness for the sake of exposing weakness, but to like take us somewhere that we've never been before, to push us maybe to grow in a way that we would otherwise not, not choose to do. So what I want us to do is to look at this story, see what God has for us, because y'all in this moment that we're in, there isn't one of us. It doesn't feel like we're being tried pushed beyond our comfort levels, pushed out into places we've never been before. We all feel that to some degree or another. And so the question is, what does it look like for us to go through that faithfully? What is God doing in the midst of a moment like the one that we're in? So we're gonna look at this story and see what he has to say uh, for us, to us. Jesus 
encounters this uh, Canaanite woman, Matthew tells us, while he's, he's on a journey. He's journeying with the disciples and uh, she kind of comes out of nowhere. She's calling out, petitioning Jesus. And here's the thing that we're uh, supposed to know that we can't overlook and can't forget or we sort of miss the point of the story. Um, this woman is a Canaanite woman, which means that she's a Gentile woman, uh, which means that she is a person whom Jesus would been supposed to have no contact whatsoever. Jewish rabbis weren't supposed to talk to their wives in public, uh, let alone a Gentile woman with a demon-possessed daughter. Big no, not somebody Jesus is going to be hanging out with on the streets. He knows this, and she knows this. So what's interesting is that in spite of those sort of rules— cultural norms. She's following Jesus, petitioning after him anyway. And what's interesting is how she's doing it. The language that she uses is really intentional. What she says matters. She cries out to Jesus and she says, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. The language that she's using is traditional Jewish, even messianic language. In other words, this is a signal to us that this woman believes Jesus to be the Messiah and she's praising him as the Messiah in public in front of other people, calling out to him for help in a way that only he could help. Now this is supposed to be, I think should have been, Matthew means it to be a really sort of exciting moment. The disciples should have heard her and thought to themselves, wow, like, you know, it's happening. It being salvation that God has been working, this thing that God's been trying to do for so long, which is the story that salvation would start with Israel and then spread to the nations, that because of Jesus, that's actually happening. People are coming to faith because of who he is. This should have been a moment that thrilled them, actually, but that's not what happens. They're not thrilled. Uh, They're annoyed, and it's obvious that they're missing it, missing something really important happening right in front of them. Jesus, on the other hand, I'll never believe, uh, was missing it. I think Jesus knew exactly what was happening. I think he knew exactly what was going on inside of this woman and the faith that lives in her. And so what he determines to do is to show it, to make it visible in a way that the disciples would be able to recognize, that other people around would be able to recognize, maybe even that she would be able to recognize herself. And the way that he chooses to do this, to sort of draw out that faith that was inside of her is to test her. There's just no getting around it. The words that Jesus says to this woman when she petitions him are not just frustrating, they're sort of jarringly provocative. Now, if you find yourself feeling troubled by them, they sound harsh, even offensive, good. They, they should strike you that way. It's important to remember, however, that they would not have necessarily struck uh, Jesus's audience that way. Uh, The reality is is that uh, Jews often referred to Gentiles as dogs, and Gentiles had their own choice words for Jews. It was a world that they lived in. It was a world full of prejudice, um, much in the same way that our own world is still full of prejudice. And what Jesus has done that's so brilliant to me, interesting to me, is that Jesus has clearly chosen to enter into this world and take it on himself to a degree but with the intention of redeeming it, of exposing it, sort of turning it on its head. And the way that he chooses to do that in this particular moment is by sort of saying out loud in a way that everyone can hear 
what it is that they're thinking. He sort of gives voice to the prejudice that everybody holds in their own heart and exposes the sort of theological shortcomings of their convictions by giving voice to them himself. And so this is, this is what he says. He says, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Meaning, it's not fair to take the blessings that would have been, should have been, they thought, reserved firstly for Israel and give them instead to Gentiles. Except for that, that is exactly what the gospel intends to do, is to take these blessings that God had purposed through Israel and make them available to all people, to people like this woman. And what she says in response is the really surprising thing. When Jesus says it's not fair to take the children's food and give it to the dogs, no one would have thought twice about a statement like that because again, it's the conviction they all had, it's what they were all thinking, it's why it was so easy for them to dismiss her. Not surprising. What's surprising, and the real twist of the story is the way that she responds. She says, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Meaning, you're a Lord. You get to decide what you do with your blessings. I'll take whatever you're willing to give me. And I think that this is a kind of mic drop moment if you can have those in the Bible. They're easy to pass by, to miss when you're just reading it flat. But if you enter into the story and put yourself in a moment like that, Jesus erupts with praise for this woman. I think not because he's surprised, but because he anticipated that he knew that that kind of faith lived in her. And now he's gotten to hear it out loud, her give voice to her trust in the goodness of Jesus. And so he says to her in response, Great is your faith, woman. He lauds her, applauds the faith that she has, and makes an example of her, answers her prayer in turn. Well, what is it that Jesus thinks is so great about this woman's faith? Well, I think it has something to do with the fact that she wasn't um, more interested in being right, more interested in defending herself, um, more concerned with what people thought of her than she was desperate to put herself and to be in um, the will of God and to experience the goodness of Jesus. She believed in it. She believed in it enough to endure the difficulty of what was happening right in front of her, to push through it, to trust in his goodness. That's why she says, you're Lord, you get to decide, but I trust that you're going to do the right thing. Jesus allows himself to be effectively bested by this Gentile woman which might not strike us as particularly provocative, but you can rest assured that it did strike Matthew's audience that way, that it would have struck the disciples that way. He elevates her at his own expense, makes an exemplar of her faith. Now, what does any of that have to do uh, with us or where we are? Listen, every hard thing that you go through, what we're all going through right now in light of the pandemic, and all of the discomfort, frustrations that that has given rise to in every single one of our situations, being at home with your kids, having to tutor them. Every hard thing is not necessarily a spiritual test or the work of Satan in your life. But some hard things are exactly that. And it's important for us to remember that Jesus didn't necessarily, he didn't create or have to conjure up the set of circumstances that brought this woman to him, that put her in front of him that drove her need, her grief. 
He didn't have to create or conjure up those circumstances. A broken and fallen world did that. Prejudice, disease, demonic oppression, those things come with the territory of living in a broken and fallen world. It's part of it. We're all going to experience those things. What Jesus does that's so powerful in this story is take that set of circumstances, that brokenness, and use it like a redemptive tool in order to strengthen this woman's faith, in order to prove or test her faith in a way that advanced the kingdom and blessed the people around her. That's what we're after. It is an inevitability that I'm gonna run into things that are hard, that I'm gonna run into things that try me and test me. The question is, do I have the kind of faith that would call out to Jesus so that he might use those things redemptively in my life, test, prove, and strengthen my faith so that I don't settle for something that's less powerful and less meaningful than it should be? These things happen in my life with God. For those of you who follow Jesus, they're just, it's not a question. You are going to be tested this way because he's a, he's a good and gracious God. And I would otherwise just sort of like resolve myself to settle for a faith that's less than the one I'm meant to have, to be less effective in the kingdom than I'm meant to be. And he just won't let us settle because he loves us. This happened just this past week. In hindsight, I'm able to look at something that happened in my own life and say, I think that was a kind of spiritual test. And here's the thing. I didn't wake up Tuesday morning and hear the Lord say, Ashley, you're going to be tested this week. Prepare yourself. Because that's exactly what I would have done. I would have gotten up and sort of, you know, girded up my loins, as the Bible says, prepared myself and been ready for my test. That's just not how it works. More often we go into these things blind all we can see in front of us is the confusion and the struggle, the heartache, the pain. And it's not till we get to the other side of it, choosing one step at a time to be faithful, that I get to hear the Lord say, you are stronger than you think you are and I am better than you believe me to be. And those moments, y'all, when we have them with Jesus, like the moment this woman had, where he effectively said to her, you are stronger than you think you are and I am better than you believe me to be, that's what keeps us going. That's our life blood when it comes to our faith, with our faith in Jesus and our life with God. One of the um, most I think powerful images in my own life with God is the one that Chris preached about last week, that image of Peter um, choosing to step out of that boat and step out onto the water, enduring his own test of sorts. And it's sort of tempting to want to think, well, maybe, you know, did Peter fail this test? Because yeah, he got out of the boat, but you know, he, he faltered and he ultimately fell and Jesus had to pick him up. And so maybe he got back into the boat with the disciples after the fact, feeling like a failure. I don't, I don't think so, at least I hope not. Because when I think about that story and I put myself in Peter's place and try to imagine what it would be like to have that kind of test put in front of me and to choose to step into it, fixing my eyes on Jesus and trusting him just long enough to get to like feel the waves under my feet. I mean, that's powerful stuff. You don't ever forget something like that. I hope Peter got back in that boat, looked at John and said, I fell, but you know, for like this long, 
I knew what it was like to walk on the waves with Jesus. And next time I won't fall. I think that is, that's our life with God, that's our life with Jesus. And if I'm not willing to step out of the boat onto the waves, if I'm not like this woman willing to put myself in uncomfortable places and push through them, how do we grow? How do we know the power of this gospel that lives inside of us? Times of testing are painful and they're confusing. If you're going through one and it feels that way, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Trusting in the goodness of Jesus, that's all he's asked you to do. We're gonna give some space right now for questions, which we've, been, uh, we've done last week and are gonna do in the weeks going forward, just to give you some time for reflection and discussion if you'd like to. So a couple of questions that will appear on the screen. I'll read each one of them and then afterwards, feel free to pause uh, the video so that you can take some time with your group just to talk over them together. The first question is this. Can you describe a recent circumstance in which you felt or now feel in hindsight like you were being tested or invited to grow spiritually? What'd you learn from that experience? Number two, can you think of a time when the desire to be right or the need to defend yourself kept you from experiencing the joy or the goodness of Jesus? Take some time, pause the video and discuss together if you'd like to. Amen. All right, if you're able, let's stand together and pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.